Exotic Erotic Storytime features literature from the corners of the internet, with only the most niche and obscure sexual themes. This show is for mature audiences only, and even then, please listen responsibly and consider that many episodes are very explicitly sexual and can include sensitive subject matter. The following story was posted by Mercinius Prime on Pastebin.com. I'm Jack Alexander, and this is A Different Night's Gambit. A renowned warrior poet of old once wrote that love is a battlefield, or something along those lines. Sir Charles couldn't be bothered to remember the specifics. He already knew he was onto something. A decisive victory could be won only with surprise and overwhelming force. But how? Charles was no stranger to the wages of love, having bested, bedded, and wed a great red dragon. He was now, more or less, retired from his life as a paladin, mostly just protecting the town he and his wife Elizabeth had settled near, and joining a crusade or two when they came knocking. Money certainly wasn't an issue, and few outside the local area would trust a man who lived with a dragon, so he had little reason to work or travel. It was this comfortable lifestyle that led his mind to wander. Since he had largely given up smiting, he would need something new to dedicate his life to. It was not long after that that he made his lover and one-time adversary his wife. He never regretted his decision, but it would not be inaccurate to say that it didn't still feel as though he was missing something. Their life was empty. A man and his dragon alone in an enormous cavern more than a day from the nearest living soul. Life simply held no challenge, no motive force. Practically anything could be solved by nigh-infinite wealth and the city-destroying power. Charles racked his brain for a solution to his predicament. Something he could do with his wife that would not be made trivial by breathing fire. A token of their love and mutual dedication, as well as a proper cause to which they could dedicate the whole of their effort and devotion. He was fairly confident that there was an obvious solution he was just overlooking. Whenever he had faced such dilemmas in the past, he sought the counsel of a priest of his faith, someone who had been educated in matters other than smiting heathens. The nearest temple operated by his order was nearly a month away, but he knew he must go. He left the next morning, informing his wife that he was leaving on a quest for divine inspiration and that he would return shortly. There he met with a venerable cleric, a kind and insightful old man who presided over an orphanage. The conversation was short, ending almost immediately after the knight had finished recounting his concerns to the reverend, who unceremoniously ejected him from his chambers for being a fool. Lost and without a soul to turn to, he wandered the town in a trance. His idle wanderings led him to a fallowed field on the outskirts. By all rights, it should have been a lonely place, an isolated patch of land not even farmers would bother to visit until at least next season. Yet, instead of being abandoned, it had become a playground for the village's children. Dozens of young boys and girls of all ages frolicked in the field, enjoying the brief period of youth before responsibility stole their carefree innocence. 
It was amazing how children could change so much just with their presence. Suddenly, while watching the children of the town bring warmth and happiness to a remote, lonely place, an idea came to him. He approached a young girl who sat resting on a soft field of clover. Few would have thought of such a solution, but Sir Charles prided himself in his ability to think outside of the box. He sat down next to her and began telling her his story. If his was a problem even the sagacious priest could not solve, perhaps the youthful naivete of a young girl would provide an answer. They conversed for some time before she answered him. Upon hearing her answer, he knew immediately that this girl was wise far beyond her years. The knight hopped up from the ground, armor clattering as he strode home with newfound enthusiasm. Time to make a baby. Months later, Sir Charles found himself at a table surrounded by ancient manuscripts in the nation's grand library. He sat with Elizabeth as they pored over the volumes day and night, pursuing his objective with the same single-minded dedication that led him to her during his days as a dragon slayer. When he had returned to her after his journey for inspiration and told her of his plan, his elated spirit fell quickly at her despondent response. She should have conceived long ago, considering the frequency of their couplings and the notorious fertility of human-dragon relationships. As he came to learn, it was her concern over this matter that troubled her so these last few years. She had tried every solution known to dragonkind, yet could not seem to bear a child. She had even resorted to hiring sorcerers to improve her fertility by magic, yet none could tell her what was wrong, much less how to fix it. Charles responded the only way he knew how, rushing off with Elizabeth to the nation's capital to research her condition themselves. It did not take long for them to discover what ailed her. On occasion, a dragon assuming the form of a human may make an error rendering herself infertile in her human body, in such a way that not even magic could restore her. While they celebrated the discovery at first, they quickly fell glum upon realizing their prognosis. Conception was impossible while she took the form of a human woman. Of course, this did mean that her draconic body was still fertile. However, the prospect of a mere human impregnating a being so large was dubious at best. They searched tirelessly for a solution, yet nothing they could think of would work. Fertility magic could not make up for their size difference. Even size alteration would not work unless the effects were permanent. Naturally, neither would accept the idea of having another man or woman sire their child. They were stumped. During one of their long, lonely nights in the library, Charles hatched a plan. If the problem was just size and volume, certainly old-fashioned human ingenuity could solve it. Producing such an enormous quantity of semen would be difficult, but 
certainly doable. He attacked the library with unrestrained vigor, knowing for the first time since they arrived where to look. Elizabeth seemed nearly frightened by his manic excitement. There it was, his solution plain as day, an answer no one else would even consider. It was beautiful. It was ingenious. It was mad. A common man may think that siege weapons had no place in the bedroom. Sir Charles was no common man. In the time between sleep and wakefulness in the deserted library, a fleeting memory of the Siege of Dunlane entered his mind. There had been a great wheeled tower equipped with a massive ramp and an iron ram for pounding through thick castle walls. He was a mere squire at the time, a brash youth full of immaturity and contempt for proper behavior. Riddled with the hormones and stupidity endemic to a pubescent male, he snickered inappropriately at the phallic imagery of the ram smashing through the gates of the city and the tide of men flooding into the city. The memory of his youth made him cringe in embarrassment, particularly since he fell off his horse almost immediately thereafter in front of the other squires. But it proved invaluable now. If he could not impregnate her directly, he would invent something that could. He spoke not a word to his wife, intent on surprising her. He feigned disappointment, sending her home in apparent defeat, while he stayed behind to tie up loose ends. The next day he sought a carpenter. A carpenter who would not ask too many questions. Would you like a hand, dear? I am quite a bit larger than you. Accepting help at this point would totally defeat the purpose. Though Charles did have to admit that he underestimated the amount of chain required to tie down a dragon. The idea seemed so much sexier before he thought it all the way through. He hadn't actually expected her to accept the idea of being bound so quickly. If nothing else, it was something interesting to keep in mind for the future. They had not even begun, and he was already breathing hard and sweating as he secured the last chains to the eye bolts he had set in the cavern floor the day before. He inspected his work, carefully testing every chain and every linkage. Chains wrapped around her body and legs, binding her to the floor. Her tail was bound up, a leather harness holding aloft the base of her tail to keep her sex exposed. Certain of the quality of his work, the paladin finally allowed himself to step back and observe the fruits of his labor. The sight of his draconic mate, blindfolded and restrained, was more than he could take. Rivulets of her fluids rolled down her thick scales, the puddle between her legs testifying to her arousal. The smell was intoxicating, the air wet and heavy with the fiery aroma of her lust. It was all Charles could do to restrain himself from crawling inside her, surrounding himself in her warmth and scent 
and the pleasure of her clenching walls. Her soft, heavy breaths of anticipation cut through his reverie before he gave in to temptation. She was waiting, literally dripping with anticipation. And here he was, fantasizing about her. He sought penance by working quickly, removing the gift wrapping from the enormous, wheeled battering ram. The ram itself was light for a ram, an unfortunate concession he had to make to ensure that he could operate it by himself. Still, there was a certain unique appeal in seeing an enormous model of your own cock, sculpted from wood and lacquered smooth, even if it took a week to find a carpenter willing to take his measurements. It swayed majestically from a set of well-oiled ropes, looking to him as if it were just as eager to begin as he. Despite the arousal slowly clouding his mind, he knew if he did not do this right, he may as well not do it at all. A few quick checks and adjustments told him that the ram, at least, was ready for action. All that remained was the final surprise, the ultimate fruit of his labor. Where the might of dragons and the minds of sages failed, the tenacity and strength of a knight would succeed. More than fifty gallons worth of his own semen, magically preserved and sealed inside an airtight cask, sat behind the ram. A hose of intestines reinforced by leather stretched to create a sealed path between the ram and the tank. An iron lever held closed a simple valve at the end of the hose, halting the incredible mass of fertility from entering the urethra by proxy. It was a masterpiece of creativity, perseverance, and overfrequent masturbation. Too insane to fail. He aligned the contraption, setting his sights on the greatest thing this world had to offer. Puffy Dragon Vulva. He could not help but feel a pang of jealousy as he drew the enormous dildo back his own erection growing uncomfortable and straining against the leather apron he wore. With a grunt of exertion, he threw the ram forward with all his might, striking his target with practiced skill. The model cock slammed into place, spearing her to the hilt in an instant. Elizabeth had no idea what hit her. The massive intrusion spread her soaking folds with incredible ease before withdrawing as quickly as it entered. She quivered in anticipation as she waited for the next thrust to split her open. A slow but steady rhythm of powerful strikes struck her, hammering into her with mechanical precision. She lowered her hips, aligning her sodden hull to place her most sensitive spots in the path of the ram. Nothing she ever felt before could compare to this. The bizarre contraption fucked her mindlessly, seeking no pleasure for itself while allowing her to direct its travel. That she could do nothing to vary its speed only turned her on more, her body tightening and rushing to meet its rhythmic thrusts and tingling numbly every time it left. It existed solely to please her. A gift from her husband to fuck her in a way he never could on his own. That concludes part one. Full credits at the end or in the show notes, but thanks to Naomi for her role. 
Join me next episode as the story continues.